0: And he's trying to get you to a place that you have never been to before, trying to get you to cross over from normal awareness of God to intimate relationship with God. There's one thing to know about God. It's another thing to know God. And there's this, uh, just, in my spirit, it's like it's just screaming, Come on, guys. Don't, don't, don't be normal. Don't settle for normal. Some of us, we're in a service like this, and, and the presence of God is moving, and we're uncomfortable. If we don't know what to do, we just stand there in our eyes are jetting around the room, we're looking around, making sure ain't nobody looking at us. Problem is, is that you're going to spend at least the first 10,000 years of eternity in an atmosphere very similar to this. You might want to get used to it now. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven if that's what they're going to do. Oh God's gonna put you on the front row. <laughs> I remember when I was a boy. I was talking to T.J. earlier. Uh, I think it was last night because he had come up and he sat down on the front here and he's looking that way. And we were, it was before service. We were just talking and and I had one of those. It triggered one of those memories. Boom. You know, I can remember back in the day. See, every time we got in trouble but in our church, they had the wooden altars. You know, all the churches we went to they had the, the wooden altar and they were sitting up front. How many? Of Remember the church with the wooden altar? How many of you have had to sit on a wooden altar? I had to sit every time I got in trouble, my dad would call me out in the middle of service, come sit on the sit on the altar. Sit on the altar. Face that way, son. Sit on the altar. That was crazy. I think that's what got me addicted to being in front of people. <laughs> sit on the altar going. No, I don't, no, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I can I can see God and you. The first few moments of heaven. You. Come here. Sit on the altar. <laughs> Going to get you used to this presence thing. You know that if if God could have his way in us, do you know how happy we'd be? Do you, do you know how fulfilled you'd be? Look, you never say, shut up. Do it. Man, God's plan for your life is so good. If you're here today and you don't own a Bible, if you hold your hand up, the ushers will bring you one. It's our gift to you. We want to make sure everybody's got a copy of the Word of God. And we need to be getting in that Word every day, guys. We need to be pressing into the Word of God. We need to know more of God's Word this week, right now, than we did last week. You need to know better. Hello, you know, you know, there are times I just, you know, I just grab onto one verse and that's what I'm doing all week long is that one verse. I'm just reading it and repeat it, read it, repeat it, read it, and repeat, it, read it repeat it, read it, repeat it, read it, repeat it, get it, get that thing down inside of me because I need God's word. I got to have God's word. Listen, I, I get to work in a pretty cool environment. I say pretty cool. It's not absolutely cool, but pretty cool. Pretty cool environment. Uh, I still have to, you know, work with people. We'll learn it down though, aren't we? <laughs> but uh, uh, you still still have issues, still have stuff. But I have to have God's Word every week. You're out there, and and, and the way you describe it, you know, you're working with demons and, and demon-possessed and, and all of that. So you couldn't possibly make it without God's Word. So what's the Word you got? What, what are you getting in you? What is it? What, what are you putting in the fertile soil of your heart? Don't look at me with that tone of voice. We, we might need to just stop and pray right here. You know, the, uh, thy word, David said, have a head in my heart. So it'll keep me on track. So it'll keep me on track. You know, maybe what we need to do is determine to define the destination of that track we're on. Maybe we're on the wrong track. And so we're trying to jump track. And the last thing we need is something that would lock us onto the track. I mean, surely we don't have God's word to keep, you know, if God's word keep us on track, surely we're not avoiding God's word because we're ignorant there, it must be a purpose for it maybe we're on the wrong track and we're attempting to jump track so we don't need anything that would lock us on track it has got to be a reason what is the word that you've got you're going over day after day or does it take you finding out you got cancer before you get in God's word maybe what you need to do is have your family fall apart and then you can say that God did that to get you in the word Maybe, maybe, maybe you can have people that uh, are in desperate need, people connected to you, and that that'll be enough to get you there. What catastrophe does it take to drive you to God? Can I just make a suggestion? First Corinthians chapter 12, 31. Check it out. Let's, let's look at that for just a minute. And I think I'm right because I'm flying off the cuff. First Corinthians chapter 12. We might have read this last week, did we? Not, not here, not here. Most of us can't remember last week. We've had a holiday since then. Yeah, we're on a sugar high. And besides that, we got an extra hour this morning. Oh, thank you, Jesus! Everybody, say thank you, Jesus. Mm, I love that extra hour. I spent it laying between the porch and the altar. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I'm reading from the Amplified. Earnestly desire and zealously cultivate the greatest and best gifts. God's telling you, go for the gifts, man. Go for the gifts. Uh, The higher gifts and the choicest graces. But yet, I will show you a still more excellent way. Check this out. One that is better by far and the highest of them all. What did I tell you? I said... (laughs) You, you. <laughs> First Corinthians 12, 31. 12, 31. Earnestly desire, cultivate the greatest gifts. But I'm going to show you a more excellent way, one that is better by far and the highest of them all, love. How I many you oh, know God is love? So, is it safe to say that if you get God life, you're going to get a love life? That should excite some of you. About ready to get a love life. Right? Finally. Right? Amen. Amen. I'm going to get a love life. A more excellent way, by far. Uh, by far. Do you realize that what? That statement is implying that it's it's so much better. You're gonna have a trouble measuring the distance between what you got and what he's given you. Okay. I'm gonna show you a more excellent way. Love. He's not talking about some soft, limp, jellyfish lifestyle that they just running around blowing. <laughs> no, he's talking about God life, love life, a God result because you're connected to God. Have you read the book? You do realize that God's not what a lot of people think he is. There 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 are moments that God shows up and people wish he hadn't. Have. You know, he, he, we're talking great strength. We're talking, you know, hey, man, you know, when 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 he rolls, you know he rolls. So we're not talking about some weak, timid, fearful, you know, thing. We're talking about a strong, powerful element that will lift you up above. That's why, you know, that's why the writer said, if God be for me, who can be against me? If God's on my side, who cares who rolls up against me? Because he ain't just a little bit better. He is far above. Way up there. Way beyond that. Way beyond that. You know, you can go out to a softball game, a football game, a tennis match, a swim meet, uh, you know, a truck pull. And you might go up somebody who's a little bit better than you are and beat them. I've golfed with guys that were way better than I am. That I want, because I'd get in their head. <laughs> right? Marty's over there, yeah, that's right. Marty's way better golfer than I am, but I can beat him if I want to, because all i got to do is start speaking in tongues or something. He gets all ticked and loses his thing. <laughs> But when you have a, a force that is containing you, controlling you, manipulating you, but it comes up against God. You, you understand what I'm saying? There are, there are moments when you cannot be as good, but still win. But then you roll up against Tiger Woods. I ain't going to get in his head. It don't make any difference what I do. He's going to win the round. Okay, your enemy, up against God, ain't got a chance. So if God be for me, I win. All I got to do is show up. So a couple of thoughts here. You just got to wrap your heart and your mind around. If God be for you. If God is love. And the more excellent way that's above all of this other stuff that you can get is the God life or the love life. So if love is for you, if you are connected with love, nothing can come against you. Nothing can stand against you. If you are flowing in god's love it's probably not what you think it is it's probably not how you think it would be but it's just being connected with god god is love there's a more excellent way i think sometimes that we you know uh and especially in faith circles and um you know, we, we get this mentality that if we do everything just right, that we're going to drive, you know, the newest of cars, the most expensive of homes. We're going to wear the, you know, we're going to have Rolexes up our up our arm. I wouldn't trade a moment in intimate connection with God for a Rolex. What well, God's trying to draw you to. Can I just put it this way? You're going to love it. You want it. You don't want to let anything dwell inside of you that would separate you from the relationship that God's calling you to. And it's so much better. The end result is so much greater. The, the, The product of a love life with God, the product is so much greater. Then you can fathom. You'll reach a place in your relationship with God that you'll stop asking Him for stuff. Because stuff will no longer matter. You'll quit focusing on circumstantial situations that you have been pressing Him for help with because you'll realize that those things fade away. You know, we read about people who are burned at the stake and torn asunder and all with a smile on their face. Well, it had something to do with the connection, a real relevant relationship. And I'm not suggesting that if you get a relationship with God, you're going to get torn asunder, nailed to a stake and set on fire. But if you do, it wouldn't matter. We are consumed, guys, we are so far from my notes. But we are consumed with ourself. We are so drunken with self-absorption, we don't even know it. We're not even aware of it. You don't realize that all day, every day, seven days a week, Everything we do is motivated for, for me, for myself. That's what I do. That's why, you know, everything's about me. And then I sing if I'm in the mood or if I like to do that sort of thing or if I'm comfortable in that environment, I'll sing. Here I am worshiping you, Lord. With all I have, I'll worship you as long as it doesn't interfere with what I like. I'm not trying to irritate you, well, maybe a little. Well, because if, if we're comfortable, Murdoch said that until your level of discomfort reaches a point that you're unwilling to tolerate, you will not change. Do you realize that until we get pretty uncomfortable, we don't change stuff? That's why many of us wait until the news is so bad we can't take it before we go to God. That's why many of us have to experience calamity after calamity before we have a real connection with God. What would happen if we just decided, I'm not going to force calamity to push me to relevant relationship? Let me tell you what I think God wants us to do. The garden. I think he wants us to have a real relationship. I think he wants us to get to the point where everything around us melts away. Where we're not consumed with trivial stuff. Not that we wouldn't have excellence in everything that we do, because that's one of the ways we worship God. You know, if you uh, are ever headed towards Seattle, and you're going, you're coming up to Prosser, and you've got a few extra minutes, you ought to get off the highway there and swing into a little motorcycle shop sits right alongside the road. You ought to walk through Dan's business down there. Ask him to clear out the men's room, ladies, and so you can go in and check that out. It's really cool. It's awesome. There's a level of excellence. At, it's, it's, it's like going into Disneyland for boys. You know, girls, too, but truly for boys, for men. It's it's, a, it's one of the coolest shops. And I'm not saying that he should get so focus on God, that he allows his business to end up looking like everybody else's and to get torn. No, no, those things are important, but there should be, there should come a point where in our pursuit, in our life, in our, in this experience that we have, where all of that is done because of the goodness of God, the love of God has been poured out towards us. That's why we strive to do what we do because, because of the love of God. And then when we get to a place where we're face to face with God, it's no longer our issue. I think we ought to live life to the fullest. I think we ought to go for life because of the love of God. No matter what anybody else thinks, separate from the crowd. Can I tell you, Jesus is already on board with you having great relationship. You don't have to sell this. He's on board waiting for somebody to cross over. But about the time you launch out, please realize you will be met by a great storm. You will have collision with great opposition because you have an enemy who don't want you leaving from where you are. Mark 4, 35, is that where we started? Let's let's read about three verses here. Check this out. The same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over to the other side. We're going to cross over today. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm crossing over. When they had sent away the multitude, see that you, you cut yourself off from the crowd. You, you, you don't be manipulated by the crowd. Do not be manipulated by the crowd. Do, do not be motivated by the crowd. There are, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of great ministries that are not all that focused on intimate relationship that don't mean that what they're doing is wrong all i'm telling you is that i I believe god is calling us to intimate relationship there's a reason there's a purpose and there's a payoff okay there's a reason there's a purpose and there's a payoff and we might get into that later but don't ever let the crowd detract you from what god's calling you to And they had little ships with them. There were others following them. Look at verse 37. They're crossing over. Jesus said, let's go. And there arose a great storm of wind. Everybody say great storm. A great storm. That word great is the word mega. It's where we get our word mega. It's like when you go to Wendy's and they say, would you like to mega size that? And you get seven more French fries than you normally would. This word mega, a mega storm, is like Katrina. I'm not talking about the wind blew harder than normal. Please understand that when you hear God say, let's go, it is not followed up with a marching band and baton twirlers. I get so... Freaked out by people who say this is really hard. It must not be God. What God calls you to is never easy. That's why you got to have much strength, great courage. Fear not. It's in a parade. It's warfare. I've had a hard day and I'm mad at God. You're an idiot. You have an enemy who's come to kill, steal, and destroy. And you have a you who lets him do it. So I'm going to get mad at God. I don't get that. Couples come in, they're upset with each other, they can't even look at each other. They sit on opposite ends of the room, they cross their legs and they look away from one another. And they're not smart enough to realize they have an enemy who's trying to divide their life. They'd rather be mad at each other than to admit they've been the tool of Satan. Here's the deal. A great storm, not a little storm, great storm, hurricane storm. You're going to begin to blow when you begin to cross over. Here's why you got to separate yourself from the crowd. Because most of them won't put up with the wind. They won't even get on board with what God wants to do. There's a lot of people who talk a good talk, but when it comes right down to it, the minute the wind blows, they go back home. See, You can sing, I have decided to follow Jesus. But, you know, it doesn't really mean the same thing as the writer who wrote the song. Today, we we live in the wrong era to make statements like that. We think if we've decided to follow Jesus that he's going to tweet us. Twitter? Everybody's like, tweet I have decided to follow Jesus. That means that I'm going to get an email that tells me what He's been up to. No! No! I have decided to separate from everything else and connect to Jesus. See... The writer, when he wrote, I have decided to follow Jesus, had a great melody, had a great lyrical line. And he knew that I have decided to deny myself, take up the cross, kill my flesh, bleed if I have to, die if I must, and hang out with God. Wasn't going to work. Because when he sang those lyrics, people just didn't pick up on it. There was a great storm. The waves beat into the ship. Notice it's beating into the ship. Is beating the ship. The thing that's carrying you is opposition doesn't just come by, it bangs into you. It'll leave a mark. It'll leave a mark. You're not coming out of this. I, uh, this is probably not the, you know, in, in human reasoning this is just not the sharpest thing to come up here with and tell you that hey guys if you hang out with us and follow god you're going to get the crap beat out of you but most of your is happening and you think it's the devil uh, or uh, you know because you're you've you've made a mistake you you think it's you think it's come upon you because uh because you've been weak or because you because you're just not sharp could it possibly be because you're right on track I guarantee you one thing, I'm just not real weak. Do my best to stay on track. But the storms get great. I I don't think you ought to second guess yourself every time the wind begins to blow and think that God don't love you no more. No, I think you ought to realize that hell is upset that you're on track with destiny not every storm but the great ones all the great ones you know isn't it kind of cool when you get home to sit down and talk about man i've been through some great storms in the middle of the storm it's not that fun but at the end it's pretty cool a great storm was beating into the ship so that it was now full look at verse 38 and he was in the hinder part of the ship he was in the ship he was in the ship he was on board He was on board. Can I tell you something? That all you got to do, all you got to know is, am I pursuing God's will? Do I really want God's will? If I want God's will, He's on board. Now, if I've turned my back on God, I'm alone. But if I want God's will, He's on board. Guys, I got to tell you something. Every once in a while, the Holy Ghost will stir in me in a message, and I'll know that he's about ready to do something crazy. And I just felt the Holy Ghost. If you're on track for God's will, if you're, if you're agreeable to God's will, if you, if you are, are surrenderable, Is that a word? It sounds cool, though. If you're willing to surrender, if you're willing to submit, if you're willing to say, Yeah, God, let thy will be done! If I'm the hindering factor, deal with me. If you're just willing to say that, he's on board. He's on board. And i tell you what, I don't care how great the storm is, if he's on board, if God be for me. See, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. There's a much better outcome that comes in life if you can just stay connected to God, who is love. I'm telling you what, there's a much, 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 much better outcome. I don't care if the guy down the street trying to get my boys to see this. I don't care if they drive, you know, much newer, much more expensive cars, have bigger houses. The final outcome of life is going to be much, much better with God than without Him. So if I'm on track with God's will... Even though the storm comes, I know that I know that I know Jesus is on board with my life. I might assume he's sleeping and he does that kind of stuff. Speaks to you, gets you all excited. We're going to the other side. Jesus takes a nap. You might think he's not, he's not there. No, he's just asleep. He's just chilling. He's just letting you have an e-ticket ride. Remember Disneyland when they had the tickets? The e-ticket ride? Those were the good ones. They awoke him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? That's a funny thing to say to somebody who's on a journey to a cross to give his life for you. Don't you care? how many of us at different points in our journey have wondered why doesn't god care why does it, why doesn't he care why doesn't he hear my cry why, why won't he stop this why doesn't he put an end to this if god really cared oh he really cares it's just you're focused on the wrong thing right now he's on board and he's gonna be with you to the very very end he cares Look at this, verse 39. He arose. Oh, baby, that'll preach. He got up. He stood up. It's time to let Jesus stand up in your boat. Time to get him up. He arose. Has he arisen in your life? Have you, have you done enough to wake up Jesus? Jesus. Don't be satisfied letting him sleep in the hinder part of your life. He's back there somewhere. I know he's on board, but I don't give him much control. No, at some point you've got to get him up. He rebuked the wind, said to the sea, Peace, be still. He hushed a storm. He caused the violent raging storm to be quieted to a gentle whisper. His word took what was a hurricane and made it flat as a flitter. Peace be still. The wind ceased. There was a great calm. Everybody say great calm. Remember when we said great storm? Great storm, great calm. Mega storm. Mega calm. Calm. The calm was mega enough to swallow the mega storm. Well, I know we've had days here when the wind doesn't blow. Like nine of them a year, don't we? Don't, don't we get nine, nine days a year and when the wind don't blow? But a great calm is a calm like you ain't ever seen before. It wasn't a normal calm. It was a mega calm. It was a huge honking calm. Notice just a couple of things and we're gonna close. Look, you got the shore of promise given and the shore of promise received. And they're always separated by the sea of storms. Always. Standing on the shore, Jesus says, let's go to the other side. When we get to the other side, we're going to experience the shore of promise received. But first, got to go through the sea of storms. The shore of promise given. You're going to have a child. The shore of promise received. Children are a blessing from the Lord. Separated by, oh my God, we got to raise these guys. You hang in with me now? You got the shore of promise given. What is it? You're going to walk in health. You got the shore of promise received. I walk in divine health. I'm healthy. Separated by the sea of, doctor says you're going to die. You got the shore of promise given. Everything you do will prosper. Except, you know, in the shore of promise received, I will walk in the Blessing of God. Separated by, where did all these bills come from? Everything's great when you launch out. Then the great storm comes. And the enemy, if he can, gets you so wrapped up in the great storm that you bail ship before you get to the shore of promise received. See, Jesus is on board. The question is... Are we? I know thousands of people who jump ship in the middle of storms. I don't know very many people when things are just cooking and it's awesome and their life is cool and this is great and they go, I quit. But I can't tell you how many people before before, and I got to be honest with you. A lot of times before the storm gets great, it's just a mediocre storm, not even a great storm. And I know that when you're wrapped up in a mediocre storm, you don't want anybody telling you that ain't so great, because you you want yours to be like I'm great. But man, I'll tell you what. What level of wind must blow before you say I quit? I think, there's, I think there might be just one question that the devil is trying to get you to answer, and it's that one. What kind of quitter are you? What's it going to take to get you to let go of what God said? What's it going to take to get you to let go of what God said? Because when you do what He said, He'll produce what He promised. Every. Single. Time. But what's, what's it going to do? What's it going to do to get you to separate yourself from? From God. And why does the enemy want to separate you from God? Because the end that God promised at the beginning is going to position you to not be so manipulated by the enemy. See, there are some things, there are some things, I got to tell you something. There are some things that that we're going through right now that have, when we went through them 15 years ago, totally different, you know, uh, production in our life. Can you testify that things that, things that things that used to cause you to really stumble, now you step over without even noticing? See, the enemy doesn't want you getting stronger and stronger and stronger. The enemy doesn't want you crossing over to a real relationship with God. The enemy doesn't want you walking in divine hell. He wants you doubting God. And he knows that the only way to get you to doubt God is to not give you the time required to actually sit and meditate on what Jesus said. If you actually have time, uh, I, I know this would be weird, but you can do it because it's in there. Uh, you know where it starts in the next set, set of slides is Mark 1 through 34? Can you go to Mark or 4, 24? Uh, if you actually have time to meditate what God said, if you read it and repeat it, 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 you know what? It's going it's to change you. Check this out. He said unto them, take heed what you hear. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you, and unto you that hear shall more be given. Take heed. Be careful, then, what you hear. Give care to what you hear. Give care to what you hear. The the Word of God that you hear, invest care in how you handle that. Don't just sit, listen, and go eat lunch. The Amplified Bible goes on. It says, for the level of thought and study that you give to the truth you hear determines the virtue and knowledge that comes back to you. The level of thought and study you give to the truth you hear determines the level of virtue and knowledge, power, and results that come back to you. God's word. Here's what's crazy. Is we, I, I can preach this two or three times on the weekend, and everybody will have a different level of response from receiving the Word of God. These guys that have been preaching forever know this is the truth. Why? Because some people don't even give it a second thought. You can't remember what we spoke about last week. You might have been here last night and to, couldn't tell me what scripture we used because we're not in pursuit of God's word. We're we're more in pursuit of uh, uh, of a moment, uh, uh, you know, a, a goosebump, a I don't know. It's, it's easy to get distracted with all kinds of stuff. The fact of the matter is, is that what I need to survive is God's word. And He said, "Be careful with what you hear." Get this picture. Um, L- look at verse 35 again, 435. I, I know, this is crazy. Um, we're just all over the place. The same day. Everybody say, the same day. They okay, say that one more time. No, that one more time. No, just kidding. <laughs> okay. The same day. See, when we started, the same day. When they even come, Jesus said, let's, okay, let's go. The same day. The same day as what? The same day as he told them, now be careful with what you hear. Be careful, with, be, be careful with this, guys. It's the same day Jesus looked him in the eye and said, Now listen, when I'm speaking, don't just be thinking about getting on the boat. Give thought and study to the truth you hear, because it's going to be crazy what it will produce in you. The same day, the same day Jesus said, The sower sows the word, and the word is the seed. And immediately, the enemy comes to take the seed. Shut up the same stupid day You got your bible? You got you got the book of mark? You're in it, right? I have Do I have 10 minutes? Is that clock wrong? Do I have an hour and 10? The Lord has been good to me. I've lost my glasses. You know it's weird this microphone thing feels like my glasses. That's why I do that. Sure it is. Okay, sure. <laughs> you betcha. Uh, you you got to see this. This is crazy. The same day. Say the same day. The same day. Start at verse 13. And and I don't know what translation you got. She's going to have it up there. Uh, the same day... No, verse 13. And he said unto them, know ye not this parable. Don't you get it? And how then will you know all parables? Jesus said, hey guys, if you don't get this one, none of the rest are going to make any any sense to you. Got to get this one. Matter of fact, look look at chapter 4, verse 1. You loving me this morning? You love me? I love you too. Love you more. He began to teach... Uh, by the seaside, and there was gathered unto him great multitudes so that they entered into the ship. And he sat by the sea, and the whole multitude was by the sea on, next slide, the land. Verse 2, and um, and he taught them many things by parables, and it said unto them, His doctrine. Everybody say, His doctrine. Guys, this is the doctrine of Jesus. His doctrine. The same day that they got on a boat... And thought he didn't care. The same day he said, okay guys, here's the truth. The same day. You got to get this in context now. This is the same date. Now go back down to, what were we, verse 13? Don't you get it? Don't you understand this? Look at verse 14. The sower sows the word. The the seed that's being sown is the word. My word. The same day... He taught them this. The source was the word. The ones along the path are those, 15, who have the word sown in their heart. But when they hear, Satan comes at once and by force takes away the message which is sown in them. And verse 16. And in the same way, the ones sown upon the stony ground are those who, when they hear the word, at once receive it, accept it, welcome it with joy. Look at verse 17. But they have no real root in them. They have no root in themselves and endure but for a time after when affliction or persecution arises for the word's sake. Guys, you got to get this. Check it out. He said the sower sows the word. But because of the word, trouble comes. He could have said it this way. Guys, there will be times when I will give you the word. And because of the word, hurricane storms will come and beat against the boat to see if you'll give up on the word. Now let's get in a boat and try it out. And in the middle of the storm, they came to him and said, Don't you care? And he said... No. No, I told you. I think Jesus really said, Are you kidding me? Really? I haven't even got a good nap in yet. I just told you. Today, I told you. I'm going to put word in you that's going to cause the wind to blow. And those who ain't got no root in themselves, will be offended because of it. They'll give up. They'll quit. They'll cave in. Don't be like those guys. Don't be like those people who can't hear what the Spirit's saying. Don't think it's about the wind. It's about the Word. Realize you got a promise, and you're headed to a shore that is the production of that promise. And you're so focused on the storm, and you're looking at what went overboard. My my father, one year, decided that we were going to, uh, we had a pretty big boat, 39-foot cabin cruiser. And we're going to go fishing, deep-sea fishing, every day for a summer. And I'm thinking, this is pretty cool, because we've, you know, all my life, we did church every day. So we're going to fish every day. What he didn't tell us was is that we'll be doing evening services on the Oregon coast after we fish. But anyways, so, so we, we, we got on the boat every morning before daybreak. We're headed out one day, and my dad was a retired Coast Guard drill sergeant. And so he always visited with the Coast Guard guys. And one day we're going out, and the wind's blowing, and the waves are high. We pull up next to this boat, and he steps outside the cabin. He's hollering back and forth across the road, and they come back in. He steps back in. And he says, go ahead, Tom, take us out. I was 14 years old driving a 39-foot cabin cruiser over a very rough bar. And we're going out over this thing, and I mean the boat would come out of the water and smash down, and the waves would be higher than the boat, and they'd come over the front, and it was stupid. Everything that was not in the cabin was in the ocean. (laughs) Everything. Everything. We got out, and here they came in their boat, and they pulled up, and I'm thinking they're going to give me a big old high five, and they demanded that we kill our motor. And they boarded our vessel. And the guy's screaming at my father. And he said, what were you thinking? And my dad said, you said go at your own risk. And I'm thinking, what? Okay, I'm 14 and I know that means go back home. (laughs) And the guy looks at my dad and he's fuming and he said, I said it's not worth The risk. Just small miscommunication. You can be in storms where it seems like you just lost everything. Why? Because your enemy wants you to look at what you've lost. So you won't press to the shore to receive what he promised. Because if you ever get to the shore and receive what he promised... The great calm swallows up the great storm. And you find out that what he promised doesn't devalue what you lost. It brings meaning to the seed that was sown in the middle of a storm. He's God in heaven. We are here on earth. So I guess we'll let our words be few. He's God. Big picture. We're us. No idea. But I can tell you this much. The enemy's coming to challenge your word. The greater the level of storm, the more vital the word is. And you want to know just, uh, and I got to close, but I I got to give you a couple of nuggets. Just a couple of nuggets. Sometimes you got word that you don't know you got. Oh, baby you know some stuff that you don't know that you know you actually have the key to insane breakthrough but you just don't know that you got it that's why 424 and 425 you got 424 mark 424 slap that up there real quick check this out what oh, man uh it shall be measured to you, and unto you that here shall more be given. Look at verse 25. More, more's coming. Uh, for he said, to him to him who that has shall be given, he that hath not from him shall be taken even that which he hath. He, he said, I'm going to take away from him who hath nothing, and from him who hath I'm going to give more. How do you take away something from somebody who got nothing to be taken? It's not that they ain't got it. It's just that they didn't know they had it, so when the enemy come and took it, they didn't even realize it was gone. Isaiah said, you'll hear a word behind thee saying, this is the way. A word behind thee is a word that was planted in the soil of your heart back there. So that when you get up there, it'll rise up and it'll bring direction. But right here, see, you you can't remember what you got back there. You don't even know you got it. But when you get to where you need it, it's coming. You with me? There are some things that you know that you don't even know you know, and the enemy's coming to take that from you. That's why, that's why really, he said, You've got to give thought and study this stuff, guys, so you, you see what you've got. You have enough word to demonstrate Satan's defeat the rest of your life. You can walk in victory every day that you want to, because you've got his word. Or you can get together and have meetings about the strength of your storm. You can take pictures. Little videos. And have a look at my storm gathering. But somebody's got to get to the other side. Somebody's got to make it to the shore promise received because of the little ships that are following You've got what it takes. You've got what it takes. Sometimes you just got to get alone with God and have Him say it one more time. Because you might have been listening, but I don't think we've heard Him. How many of you guys raising your kids, you realize that there are times when they've listened, but they didn't hear you? They did not hear you. You've got what it takes to get to the shore of promise received. The enemy's trying to rip from your grip the word. The sower sows the seed. The seed's the word. And because of the word, the wind begins to beat against the ship. If you hang on, you're going to make it to a great calm. If you let go of the word, you might think stuff calms down because now the enemy don't have to fight to get that. But now you ain't got the short promise received. You've got you sailing around on a sea of disappointment. Because God didn't do what he said. There's only one reason God doesn't do what he said. Because You quit. Before he was finished. Don't be a quitter. What kind of quitter are you? No, no. We're crossing over. We're crossing over. We're crossing over. We're prepared for great storms. Great storms aren't going to freak us out. And they're not going to impress us. Because a great storm is going to be swallowed by an even greater calm. We're going to make it to the shore of promise received. And even when we get there, challenges await us. But I'm not staying where I am, I'm going where he needs me. Amen? Amen. Close your book. Let me pray for you.